Good afternoon. This is Jim Colburn of Commodity Research Group. I'm here with Andy LeBeau, also of Commodity Research Group, and we're here to talk about energy markets. Along with Ed Meir, Andy and I founded Commodity Research Group, which consults on various aspects of commodity markets. Check out our website, commodityresearchgroup.com, where we post our blog and our podcasts. We'd also like to thank our friend Doug Stetzer of EKT Interactive Oil and Gas Training for hosting this podcast. You can check out his daily newsletter, podcast, and learning modules at ektinteractive.com. And finally, a disclaimer, this podcast should be construed as market commentary, merely observing economic, political, and market conditions, and is not intended to refer or endorse any particular trading system. We're not responsible for any trading decisions taken by anyone not intended to listen, and information is not guaranteed to be accurate. This is not an offer to buy or sell any derivative. Today is April 11th. It's 1 p.m. And Andy, we have a lot to talk about. We sure do. Good afternoon, Jim. Good afternoon. I'd, I'd love to start with uh, Brent TI spread options, but um, why don't we start with uh, U.S. production? Because, uh, you know, yesterday the EIA came out with their monthly uh, uh, short-term energy outlook. Uh, they show, they, they estimate production in March to be 10.4 million barrels a day. That's up 260,000 from Feb. It, it looks like a, a monster number. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a big number as is, you know, as, as it was the weekly report at, uh, at 10.5. And uh, some of these numbers are, are coming in, you know, around what the, the EIA said late last year on, in terms of uh, U.S. production growth. They're talking about uh, production growing to 10.6. Now, they've revised it upwards to 10.7 million barrels a day. Uh, in fact, they're, they're uh, looking at December production at 11.4. So they think that there's another from now into December, there's another 900,000 barrels mm -hmm. a day coming <laughs> Coming up the pike, that, that you know that that's a pretty big number. Plus, uh, they've revised upwards next year's production, so uh, U.S. production continues uh, to grow at, at a pretty rapid pace, uh, to, say, to say the least. So, so let me let me stop you right there because over over the last month or so, we've been hearing more and more about um, the uh, Permian takeaway that uh, this this rapid increase in production. Um, we we just don't have enough pipeline capacity to get it to market. Um, and it looks like we're starting to see uh, that show up in the, uh, rel the, the relative values, the spread markets. So, so why don't you tell us what's been going on? Well, I think that's true. We're beginning to see the uh, Midland differential to Cushing uh, widened out to almost minus $6 and the Midland differential to uh, Houston uh, widened out to minus eight dollars. You know that typically has been running anywhere from flat to, to minus one, so mm -hmm. minus two. So you know you, you're definitely seeing um, the result of the, of the boom in in Cushing in uh, Permian production um, relative to the lack of takeaway capacity, and it, it appears as though this is going to be a problem for the rest of the year because there's uh, no new pipeline capacity coming on until maybe first quarter of, uh, of 19. So you would think these differentials are going to weaken further 
which which may which could have some issues on uh, the production coming up. So we're starting to see, um, I guess, over the last couple of weeks, uh, builds in Cushing. I mean, do, do, should we expect to see? Is that like a, become a marginal barrel where I mean, there's a pipeline from obviously from uh, West Texas to Cushing? Um, do we see? Do we see that even even as runs uh, come back? Do we do we see that continue to build? I think we're going to. We talked about that in the last uh, podcast that we thought we'd see uh, W. We'd see um, Cushing begin to rebuild. I don't think it's going to rebuild anywhere near the the sixty nine or seventy million we saw uh, a few months ago. But uh, yeah, I, I think we are going to start seeing it to uh, rebuild as um, you know may, maybe some of the, this. Uh, these Permian barrels make their way into, into Cushing rather than, uh, rather than into uh, East Houston. However, you know, again, you, you look at a takeaway capacity, you know, there's, there's only a finite, uh, there's only a finite uh, amount of pipeline capacity to get it into Cushing. However, uh, what is going to happen is, is the uh, Canadian pipeline, the Keystone that's been down, uh, since November, December, that should begin to get up to uh, more, should begin to get up to 100%. And uh, those barrels may, may well make their way into, into Cushing. Uh, one thing is clear, Andy, when we talk about these oil markets, there's a, there are a lot of howevers. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, right. So I just, I just want to bring this up because it, so, so WTI, you know, we saw it in, was it 2011, where that WTI Brent spread went out to minus, what, $27, something like that. Right. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but we are, happen. we are seeing Brent TI options trading yesterday. Really interesting. Uh, July 18 through Dece of 2019, minus $5 puts traded. So basically, if you're a buyer of that put, it, it means that you think, you're looking for the uh, uh, WTI to trade under Brent by more than five dollars through, throughout that period, and obviously, if you're a seller, you're you're saying that's not going to happen. So you know, the, all the stuff that we've been hearing over the last few months is being uh, uh, supported by you know paper flow that we see in the marketplace. I think. I think, yeah, look, it certainly looks that way. A minus $5 put. So you're, you're looking at minus six, minus seven. Yeah. For depending on what they, uh, depending on yeah. what they pay, of course, as a seller as well. Yeah. Now to, to be fair, the, the, you know, a while ago, somebody bought some, a huge amount of flat calls on this Brent TI spread because of uh, expecting Trump to do some kind of, tariff that would equalize the uh, domestic price. You know, if you remember, it was like 40. Yeah, it's, sure. It's still hanging that out. There's like that, 40. That was 40, huge trade. Yeah, it was like 40,000 open interest. But, right. That, yeah. that, was, that was a monster trade. Yeah, we're not, I'm not making an, you know, an assessment whether who's right, who's wrong, just saying, laying it out there. Getting back to production, uh, Fatih Baral, the director of the IEA, uh, was quoted yesterday in a Reuters article that uh, you know, yes, U.S. production is is growing rapidly, but he says U.S. production will will not be enough, and his reasons are: uh, one, global oil consumption is growing rapidly, and two, uh, another story that we hear a lot is the older, mature fields 
are in decline. And he, I think he used the, uh, uh, he said that we lose a North Sea field every, equivalent to a North Sea field every year. So basically 3 million barrels or so we lose every year, he was saying. Um, what do you think about that? I think he's right. You know, the um, U.S. production can only do so much to fill the so-called gap that uh, many of us, many analysts such as ourselves have talked about, and that gap being the lack of um, spending on EMP uh, during the price collapse in uh, 14, uh, 15, and 16. Um, which is probably going to manifest itself in 20 or, or 21. And, um, you know, there could be uh, a fairly significant shortfall uh, as some of these new projects that should have been on the boards aren't. Uh, and hence, you know, the long-term view, the, the intermediate term bullish view as we get into uh, 21 and uh, 2020, 21, 22, you know, somewhere in, somewhere in that period. And uh, I think uh, Birol has, has been great at, uh, at sounding this, uh, sounding this warning. Um, because again, there's only so much that U.S. production can make up on the, on the shortfall. Right. And, you know, if you, if you look at, so we get, we get these three reports, the EIA, they're, they're basically the short-term energy outlook. So EIA came out yesterday, uh, OPEX comes out tomorrow, and the IEAs comes out on Friday. And, um, you know, last month after OPEC and the IEA came out with the reports, they were, I have to say, they were much more friendly from the standpoint as as we go on through the 2018 into 2019, the market will tighten up uh, significantly. And we saw a bunch of uh, December 2018 and June 2019 calls trade. They were the most active over the uh, couple of days after these reports came out. So, you know, the, again, the EIA kind of shows uh, slight builds going forward, you know, until you get into 2019. We'll see what the IEA and OPEC show, but it looks like they're much more bullish. Um, do you want to respond? Yeah, uh, I, I think the um, if, if you look at the EIA that, that came out yesterday, uh, they're looking for, as you mentioned, some modest builds in the second half. However, they, show, they showed a bigger draw in the um, first quarter than, than what either, the, either OPEC or the IEA is showing. But I think that what's going to happen in these reports that are coming out tomorrow and later in the week, I, we may see demand in the first half revised upwards because the U.S. Is, has come in with some huge numbers, Jim. I mean, right. just huge, the January number. They've got the U.S demand up 1.2 million barrels a day in January. I mean, that's, right. that's a humongous number. And, and uh, ga gasoline was, uh, consumption was good seasonally, right? Gasoline was, was good. Uh, diesel was out of control in January. Yeah. I think up five or 600 a day. I mean, that's remarkable. Plus um, LPGs, ethane and, and uh, propane were, were really strong in January. So I think we're going to see some, some revisions upward in demand in the first quarter and maybe in the second quarter. We'll find out uh, in, in a couple of, of days. And then we'll see for the second half, it looks as though OPEC and the IEA, the OPEC report and the IEA are showing 
pretty good draws. What we like to do, and I know we've spoken to, about this on our podcast, we, we like to take the three of them together, average them out. Yeah. And, um, you know, if, if you do that, it does look like second half will draw two or 300,000, maybe more. Um, while first half is kind of flat to, to maybe in a slight draw because some of these inventory numbers are coming at lower than uh, than expected. And, you know, we'll see where the IA has inventories, but the EIA numbers were, you know, lower than they had originally forecast for, for global, global inventories. But the result, uh, to, to just narrow it down, the fundamentals in crude and in, in petroleum are good. I mean, they're, they're, they're bullish, and I think they do support to a great, to a certain to a large extent. They do support this big up move we've seen. We've seen big stock draws, strong demand, day supply are low uh, relative to to averages, and OPEC continues to to hold the line on uh, on on production. So you know, I, I think the fundamentals are are actually uh, pretty good, and. Um, you know, I, I've been reading. You know, I, I've been reading that. You know, one some bank analysts have been saying, "Well, we don't think the fundamentals really support this price." Yeah, that may be true because there's a geopolitical premium in in the market. But you know what, Jim? I think they're pretty close. I think you take the fundamentals. You look yeah. at the price, and it's you know, you could say it's okay. It's right. Yeah, I, you know that's true. I, I have to say though that um, the the funds are wicked long. And yeah, that's you know it's it's. Uh, I can understand where you know if you if you were to say, well, let's take all the speculative length out of the marketplace. Where would the price be? And you could say you can make that argument that it's being held up, uh, you know, somewhat by uh, fund activity. But um, and that and that's the thing. You know, I feel like if if I were to buy it today, I'd, I'd be the last one in. Right. You know, so that's what makes me. So I, right. so I hear all this bear, this bullish stuff, and it gets you all fired up and say, "Oh, this market's going higher, higher, higher." But that's the you know over the years, Andy, you have to. We've trained ourselves to go against that crazy. You know, to, the IEA is a great organization, but just in in February of 2016, they came out with a, a most bearish report, and then I think within a couple of days, we had the bottom of the market. So. Now I feel like we're, if we get a really bullish report, we have, to, we have to be very careful because, you know, it's it may be already in there. I totally agree with you, Chip. Because I guess my point is, yeah, the the fundamentals I think justify the price up here now. You know, we've got to look. Obviously, we're looking forward, and right. you know, because there's right. forward expectations in the price, and for that you look at the you look at the curve and. Um, you know, it's amazing. The, the backwardation, like the D-shred Ds, yeah, just exploded today. Exploded. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, man. It, it's, uh, you know, it had been like 40 cents a month. It's up to 45, 46 cents a month or over over five dollars at least earlier in the in the uh, session and that has really not you know that has really not come off well that brings me to let's let's go back it up to maybe the front month spreads of wti versus brent so back in back in february we were talking about uh it was like plus 45 cents for the front month and right. so, some guy came in and bought i assume it's a guy but who knows uh, bought ten thousand 
Don't be sexist. Uh, I know, I know. Some of, some of our the best traders that we've ever seen over our careers have been women. So I should. Oh, say far and away. Far and away. <laughs> far and away. <laughs> For a lot, we'll we'll do another podcast yeah. on why that right. is. It's not yeah. even close. It's not even close. But uh, anyway, the flat the flat put was bought ten thousand times, a tranche of three months, and you know we were kind of like, what is that? And and then we that uh, it was April May went went out minus fourteen cents, I believe. And we had a decline in stocks at Cushing. So it was really impressive by that person, whoever, whoever it was, plunked down a little money. They were teeny options. But, but now we see, we see Brent front spread also exploding and, or moving higher. And the, um, you know, the fund activity, uh, there's, there's a great, uh, uh, John Kemp from Reuters does a great job uh, updating uh, in charts the the um, the uh, fund activity and I, and I just want to mention a couple of things to you and, and for for the implication of it but in January Brent had a ratio of longs to short this is managed money uh, of eleven to one and now it's twenty one to one whereas WTI had a ratio same period of twelve to one and now it's nine to one. So you're seeing this speculative activity, the length anyway, net moving, you know, into Brent and, and not WTI. Now, what do you want to say about that? Well, I think that certainly the, the backwardation in, um, at least in the front month in Brent, has, has uh, been pretty strong. They're going through maintenances and Brent production is going to be down. The BFOE, the Brent 40s, Osberg and Ecofisk is going to be down uh, next month and, and into June. So I think the, the, the part of that, uh, that's probably the reason why Brent has been backward dated on the, on the um, paper side. Uh, the physical side has been at a big discount to the paper, mm. um, but that's all different different story but yeah i think that i think there looks like there's been some more money piling into uh piling into brent now i do want to say jim that we've been talking about this length you know being um way too long for for a while you know how oh yeah six months at some point yeah you know ti was 20 to one you know a few weeks ago and that did correct and i think last week's sell-off was probably part and parcel of that Correction, along with concerns about um, the, the uh, free tr- about free trade and tariffs. Um, yeah, again, I, I don't go too crazy over these uh, fund numbers because they're they're as of I mean they came out Friday afternoon and they're as of Tuesday afternoon, so you get a lot of uh, significant trading throughout right. the week that's not picked up by these. But yeah, it's a yep. Sorry. And, and, and even though we've been saying, oh, you know, the funds are too long, it's got to be a correction. We saw that last week. And then we make a new high. You yeah. know, those guys were right in Brent, right? right. The 20 yeah, to yeah. 1. Oh, what yeah. a great call. They were yeah. right. You know, yep. Brent, made a new, Brent made a new high. Yep. Yep. It's almost like the uh, locals on the floor used to push the market. And just to see if the you know if the people come in selling it or you'd hit stops and it'd be more buying and they get information that way. These are monster funds coming in and they're pushing it up and saying, "Okay, you, you want to sell it? Where are you?" And and the sellers right. aren't there. You know, it keeps going up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very cool. Um, let's just take a little move into uh, gasoline. We talked about 
Um, you know, we're, go we're going into the season with higher gasoline prices. Um, I think the EIA uh, estimated that uh, the average family would be paying $190 more. Um, I guess that offsets some of the uh, tax break. Um, right, what's is tax bill? Yeah. So, what what do you think? What, what's your feeling about gasoline going forward? Well, you don't really like to sell it during the, during the season. Uh, however, the gasoline's got some headwinds, and one of them you just mentioned is, is uh, higher pump prices, and the other major headwind is Europe is really long gasoline. Uh, they've been storing gasoline on ships. I believe that the ARA stock levels, Amsterdam, Rotterdam, and Antwerp is, uh, I don't know if it's record, but it, it, it's been growing some, it's been growing every single it's week. And uh, it's summer grade gasoline that's being stored right now. And almost certainly that summer grade gasoline is going to end up uh, either in the U.S. or West Africa. And I think if you see any signs of strength here in the Northeast, uh, we're going to start seeing some cargoes coming in from, from uh, Europe. And it could be, you know, that's definitely going to inhibit, uh, inhibit gasoline, as is the fact that production is about to rise as crude runs increase. Demand was great in January and first quarter. The second quarter, uh, I, I think this last monthly has, has us as unchanged. So um, gasoline is, is, one, is something to watch because that could, that could really be a, uh, that could really be a problem. Yeah, um, I always, we, we talk about the stock levels versus the five-year average. I also like to look at uh, the uh, uh, day supply, the stocks compared to the uh, uh, daily demand. But, you know, in gasoline, it's that's it, also a little misleading because it doesn't count exports. I mean, we, we, are we still going to see good export markets for gasoline or I think so I, I, I think we will there's there's still some uh, structural problems in, in Latin America so I, I don't know if we'll, we'll be quite where we were last year you know we had a great uh, March exports were, were really strong but we, we clearly need export demand to, to support the uh, the gasoline markets so that's certainly something to watch and because we're making so much. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and in, in terms of uh, you know, in terms of inventories and the day supply, as you said, if you look at, at stocks divided by uh, demand, it, it's around average at around mm -hmm. 25, 25 and a half. Yeah, you know, maybe a little, maybe we're a little long, but not to, not too much. So average is good compared to where we've been over the last few years. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's yeah. down. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it's down. And uh, moving into distillates, a little better outlook for distillates, would you say? Way better. Way better. Way better. I, I think uh, way better. You know, again, we'll, we'll see what happens with these tariffs and how that changes uh, global flows. Jim, as you and I know, things tend to find a way to find the markets right. Right, in oil. You know, right. the yeah. product goes where it's where it's most needed. Uh, yeah, we we kind of you know we saw that there was some stories in soybeans where, um, you know, you pushed uh, you you pushed the trade routes around a little bit. You know, it's it's frustrating to people who are in the trade, but the, you know, um, I think uh, China was buying beans from from uh, Brazil, the beans that they normally buy from 
U.S. And then uh, a whole bunch of beans were bought to which people said they were going to Europe from the U.S. So, so it's like, okay, you're taking Brazil beans that were going to Europe. Now that they're going to China and the ones that were going to China are not going to Europe. So everybody pays, like the producers don't get as much and the consumers pay, China pays a little bit more, uh, but the stuff moves, you know, it's, it's just uh, uh, annoying. Right. Uh, and looking, getting back to diesel real quick, and yeah, in terms sorry. of day supply, yeah. we're three days below the, the four-year average. So inventories look, you know, they're, they're in good shape. Industrial production numbers have been really excellent here. Uh, and certainly diesel corresponds with, with the global growth um, story. Uh, again, we'll see what happens with, with tariffs because that, that could hit diesel right away till the trade routes are some of the new trade routes are are, uh, are figured out well you just you painted a uh, sort of a friendly picture for uh, for uh, diesel uh, distillates and you, maybe a less uh, bullish picture for gasoline but um, I'm always reminded having sat next next to you for so long you never want to trade heating oil versus or, or distillates versus gasoline correct no that's no, the, that, that's the, that as we as we know is known as the widow maker. That's the that's the last thing you should be doing is uh, is trading is trading heat to gas. Particularly, even though it may look like the greatest fundamental trade of all times, you know something inevitably you know some refinery goes down. Right. You know, we uh, lose, yeah. lose a Gulf Coast refine. You know, monster right. Gulf Coast refinery right in the middle of the season, and you you know you're dead. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, uh, really interesting what happens. That's, that's like, to me, that's one of the original widow makers. Now it's the, uh, you know, March, April natural gases. We've lost, we've lost a few people because of that over the years. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. So, um, what else do we want to talk about here? We, we, uh, what, what are going again, going forward, what about Venezuela? Talk about Venezuela. Well, Venezuela, uh, the EIA had them down at 1.50 this last yeah. month. You know, the, the Bureau was talking about Venezuelan production being halved since uh, Chavez took over in, in 99. Um, and it just doesn't look as though uh, the declines are really going to be stopped. Um, you know, they may not be at such a dramatic pace, but uh, certainly, you know, you really don't see uh, Venezuela. The best I think we could see out of Venezuela is stabilizing maybe, you know, around these levels, plus, plus or minus. Um, so that that's, continues to be a, uh, you know, a real problem. And again, you know, Barol um, is, is um, giving the warning bell. You know, start talking about things that need to be talked about. Right. Um, and speaking of things that need to be talked about, we've got certainly a lot of geopolitical things are um, simmering, wow. if not even boiling. Later this week, we'll, we'll see what the U.S. response to Syria is going to be. Um, today, yeah. Today, uh, the Houthi rebels uh, sent in uh, missiles into, into Riyadh. Uh, so the proxy war between Saudi and Iran looks like that's heating up. Right. Um, and then there's the then there's 
the whole the Iranian deal, the nuclear deal. And that's May twelfth. We're gonna that's is that May twelfth. Yeah. And that doesn't look like there's been no indication that uh, that deal is not going to be scotched. You know. It, it yeah. Just, it, it, it doesn't look. Like, I think that I think that deal uh, on May twelfth uh, could be facing its end. Yeah, the, it's is it called the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action? Right, the JCPOA. Yeah, right. it's it's uh, you kind of feel it's dead already, right? You sort of get that feeling unless unless something happens at the last minute, which is certainly possible with this administration. Um, but you're not getting uh, there's been no indication otherwise. Yeah, on our on our website, I put up that story from the um, the Columbia. What is it called? The SIPA. Yeah, that was a great story. Yeah, a guy wrote an article about what he thought was going to happen, and I think he came up with maybe three to five hundred thousand barrels off the market. I think three hundred, yeah, three hundred to five hundred a day. A day, right? Right. right. So, um, I think you think that's in the market already. Or are we going to? Is this going to add more? I think it. I think it probably is in the market, but. There's a winding road on the JCPOA and a lot, a lot of different hurdles. So you're not, it's not, it's not a straight line. Like all of a sudden we lose, you know, three to 500. That's kind of the, the number you think it's going to be, but there are a lot, a lot of iterations there. Uh, but I, that's what I'm going with is three to 500. Right. Right. By, and it could be as early as fourth quarter, which obviously is going to exacerbate the, the shortfall. And we don't know if there's going to be, you know, if, if there's going to be a response for, out of the SPR, you know, if OPEC's going to increase their increase production, uh, which is unlike, you know, looking mm -hmm. at what the Saudis have been saying, it, does, it doesn't look that way. And um, after that, I guess the next event would be the uh, June OPEC meeting. Right, and, and the June OPEC meeting. And that's, I mean, the way we're looking at it now is just everybody's, uh, you know, happy, and they'll probably roll it over, officially roll it over into 2019. Yeah, however, they're, they're going to have, one, one thing they will have is, is the benefit of what's going to happen with the uh, Iranian deal. Right. So, you know, we'll see where they're going, but I, I would bet they just, they just roll it over. Uh, we probably are going to see some more barrels coming out of Iraq uh, over the next six months. They just they just completed their uh, southern export uh, pipeline, so I, I think um, you might see Iraq creep a few barrels out, a few more out of the south, possibly even of the north. So that's something to watch. Oh, finally, something uh, that, that, that's bearish. A bearish. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, also, Jim, as we both alluded to, you know, you may see demand start, you know, not showing that the, the, the boom that it that it's, looks like it's showing in the first quarter this year. Yeah, I was. Uh, I saw this uh, story in the Financial Times earlier in uh, March, and they're talking about you know these. Um, there's a lot of these now casts that, that take uh, current um, data and use a model and predict what the you know current uh, economic uh, rate is and and they're starting to roll over I guess uh, was was the uh, you know especially in in Japan and Germany I guess maybe the in, for for the, the euro area the the high uh, the value of the euro is hurting uh, uh, manufacturing maybe uh, but the point is that 
you know, we get high oil prices and that might have a little stifling of, uh, of demand as well. Right. And, and that's, exactly. that's, um, we'll, we'll see how that, uh, plays out, but yeah, it's really, you know, it's really hard to point to too many things that will want you to sell a market. And, and, um, that's what, that's what makes me want, I want to get, I want to get bearish so I right, can be, right. Cause but, there's so many, there's so many foolish factors out yeah, there. Yeah, like, you, know, yeah. you think about, uh, you know, what could, what could get, what, what could set the market off? Certainly, uh, any, any type of military action that, that widens while bullish can also be bearish as, as we've learned right. many times in right. the past watching the soil market. Right. What else, what else did we miss, Andy? I think, uh, I think we covered, I think we covered a lot. We didn't, we didn't really talk about price. Yeah. That's how I want to go. We usually, usually get uh, like a $10 range from you, which is very brave. But I appreciate, you know, I think we were we working with 60, 70 for a while. Yeah, now. yeah, I think we're still, I think we're still there for uh, for WTI. WTI. Yeah, I think I think we're still there. Can we can we hit seventy? Well, we got up to sixty-seven and a half or yeah. forty-five, and you know, I'm thinking sixty-eight, sixty-nine, it's doable. So what what do you, you know, if that, that would that would put seventy? And it's hard to see it. You know, now we're at 67 and a half. Okay, if we get a big technical sell-off, yeah, maybe we can get down to 60, but. Yeah, you know, when you look at the options world, you you do see some uh, front-end put, uh, I hate to say it's put buying because it's also selling, but the the active uh, strikes are as expected the May and June 60 puts, the May 62 put. And there has been uh, somebody that seems to like the 57 strike. So for a couple of months in a row, um, that thing gets uh, jacked up a little on the open interest. Nothing, nothing crazy, nothing up in that 50,000 range. But, you know, these are, you know, probably over, over 30,000 open interest. And um, on, on the call side, it's still stuff out in, uh, you know, the December uh, uh, 60s and, and – um, uh, the, the uh, June 60s, these are, these are things that traded a long time ago and, uh, and sort of the newer ones, maybe the D75, D70, D80, um, those back month calls, as I mentioned, um, were, were more active after the OPEC and the IEA reports came out last month. So uh, that's something I, because I'm, you know, squirreled away in this option world, that's something I'll be looking for is how people react to these these uh, reports at prices far away from today's price. That's what the option flow is good for, I think. Oh, um, definitely. Yeah. So uh, if, if, you, if the market was to trade out of your range, which way, what would you, what would you, you know, if I had to put a, you know, if you had to make a, I say, which way is it going to break out? Is it going to be on the downside or the upside? What would you say right now? Well, I'd have to say I'd have to say upside. Now okay. I, I know what you're saying, Jim. Like your your spidey sense is yeah, saying yeah. is saying you want it, that it maybe you should be sold up here because everything yeah. you talked about is bullish. Yeah, uh, you're probably you're probably right. Yeah, I you know I, I look at these markets as uh, like watching the Beatles. If you were uh, if you were a buyer of the Beatles in Liverpool. You made a lot of money if you bought them in Germany when they were working in Germany. You did you did well when uh, they all got together and started getting girlfriends. That was the time to sell them, right? Right. So, so it just seems to me we're in that 
everybody loves this market for the upside and uh, it, it would make me really nervous. Uh, yeah, that's, that's I hear all. you. I, yeah. Oh, I def- definitely yeah. hear you. And, and volatility is still, you know, it's just around, it, it bumped up a little bit, but it's like 24, 25%. Again, the, the long-term average is, is around 33. And uh, there's, there's a huge, uh, there's huge tendencies when the market goes down, vols tend to pick up. When the market goes up, vols tend to, to go down, except in geopolitical situations. And then they, uh, on, on markets running up on, on those things, it vols blast. So, okay, what else, Andy? We're good, right? All right, I, th- I, think, the, uh, I think that's it. Once again, um, if you want... Uh, some more information about us, uh, get a hold of us on, on email. Uh, my email is A-L-E-B-O-W at commodityresearchgroup.com. Uh, and our website is uh, www.commodityresearchgroup.com. Uh, we write a monthly report. And, uh, you know, we we'll be happy to uh, – happy to – send those out or any questions that you might have on the report. Sounds great, Andy. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you next month. All right. Sounds good. CRG signing off.